else enjoying summertime? I absolutely love it. The sun is out. There are things to do. Uh, but it's also great to gather in these moments. And, and today, in these moments, we marvel at the beauty of Jesus. And to get things going, I was wondering, do any of you hate wasting time? Hate wasting time. Uh, see if you can relate to this. Uh, I can be in traffic, and I could have plenty of time to get there. Let's say I'm even on vacation. I, I have plenty of hours to spend, but if there is an unforeseen traffic jam, when I'm cruising on Sunday afternoon and I don't see this coming, there is something that boils up inside of me that starts arguing with God about justice in the world. Have you been there? It is the experience I have at the grocery store. And I'm intentional, folks. I observe the clerks, and I look for the clerk that has brought their air that I can get out in my goal at Aldi, I don't want to spend any longer, but when I pick the wrong clerk, and when that flashing light goes on because they have to product check, there's a boiling inside. Finally, if I'm calling a company and I want to talk to a person, if I have to go through a series of prompts, if it is more than two, and then they put me on hold once answer is, please, can I put you on hold? There is, again, that boiling inside of me, that part that just argues about justice in the world. This isn't right. Can anyone relate? Yes. And so maybe we should sign a petition. Let us not waste time. We are not time wasters at Amazing Love. Let's be about not wasting time. The only unfortunate thing is that we choose to waste time all the time. Can you relate to that? We choose to waste time. Uh, for me, it just happened, um, we were looking for a new dinette set. And instead of waiting for Prime Days or Wayfair or Joss and Main, I went on Craigslist. And so I searched for a dinette set. And I think that I have great scrolling abilities. I, I don't know, I could test any of you, but I'm a super scroller. I can get a lot of information. I don't think it's good for my eyes, but I am a super scroller, friends. And so I, I spend the time finding, okay, this is the price range, this is the set. I think it'll fit. And now all the work ensues. You contact. You try to not sound creepy, but good. You try to, you know, get the, the point across. This is what I have. Can we make a deal? Here we go. We make the deal. Well, now we're going to arrange when we're going to be up. We have to, we have to schedule everything, right? Um, I, I think it's going to be tonight. So I get working on the van, and I'm putting the seats down, getting the moving blankets. In my heart, I'm doing a happy dance because my family is going to come back, and they're going to praise me as hero for solving our dinette set problems until I get a text that says my mom is selling sorry and I've just had an epic waste of time can you relate and what's interesting is that even the things we think will be noble pursuits the things we think will be worthy the things we think are really good to pursue can sometimes lead us to a longing to a certain sense that, wow, I thought I'd be way more satisfied. I, I thought this wouldn't feel like I'm wasting my time. I thought there'd be more satisfaction. And so we have businessmen who dreamed about being in a certain spot, and they made it, and they're wondering, like, why aren't I more fulfilled? And there are people of dreaming of having families, and then they had children, and they're like, why is this, you know, scratch the itch? Famously, uh, Tom Brady spoke to this. Now, Tom Brady, I'm not a Patriots fan. Any Patriots fans? You're still welcome here. It's, it's great. Um, 
But, but Tom Brady has not been wasting his time, it seems, in this life. I mean, you can watch ESPN documentaries. I mean, the guy is a beast when it comes to workout and intentionality, his diet, and how he spends his time. Uh, he, he's got three children. That's a meaningful pursuit. Uh, he has six Super Bowl rings. Uh, he's done something that our society says is worthwhile, right? But I wanted to let you in on, on his feeling of this. And, and maybe you've heard this before. It's kind of something famous Tom Brady said. It was after winning three Super Bowls that Tom Brady uh, said this. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there's something greater out there? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. I think, God, it's, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't it. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. A man who is in the, the circle, not just one time, but three times, and now six times, and I have a feeling it still didn't scratch the itch, who tells us, wow, what else is there? There has got to be more. But if I could take you back, that was the story of Solomon. Let me teach you a little bit about Solomon. Solomon was at the heyday of Israel, was given wisdom by God. I mean, people like, like the Queen of Sheba would come from, from miles around to hear him give his TED Talk on wisdom. I mean, it was just incredible. Solomon, he built a, a temple that, that was an ancient wonder of the world, inlaid with gold, just marvelous. I mean, it was just amazing. Solomon was on The Bachelor Show, but he never sent a final rose. He just had a thousand people in romance his whole time. I'm not saying that was good. I'm just saying it is. Sounds like a headache to me. But anyway, um, but, but he pursued that. Solomon had career and legacy and fame and power and money. And then he recorded how this all felt. He told us what it's like to get to that point. And if you open the book of Ecclesiastes, here is the theme that you hear loudly and clearly. He said, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. In fact, what it is like is, is chasing the end of a rainbow. Do you know what you're supposed to find at the end of a rainbow? You're supposed to find a pot of gold, right? And, and so Solomon said, you know what, I got to the end of the rainbow, no gold. I pursued the American dream further than you can imagine on every degree, whether it be career, romance, money, pleasure, it doesn't matter. I did it, and no gold. And why does this matter for us today? The reason I think this talk and this message, our time together, is worth the price of your attention is because maybe, just maybe, through these words, God can lead you to not let waste your time, and perhaps not even waste your life. And, and the way we get there, the way we analyze what's going on in our lives is, is through this question. And I just wanted to ask, is there any rainbow you are pursuing that has no pot of gold? Is there anything you're running after with skill and intensity, with desire, with time, with money, and, and you have this hunch because you've gotten, you know, leveled along the way that you probably are not going to find a pot of gold you were looking for. It probably will not scratch that itch. So what do we do? That's why I love what Jesus said to me. So we're in this series called I Am. And we've been marveling at his beauty at every turn. The shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, the life. And today he says, you know what I am? I am 
the bread of life. That when it comes to me, you can find something that finally scratches that itch. That finally satisfies. That is an answer the whole world is looking for and craves. Whether they know it or not, it is found in me. And that's what we get to hear him say. Are you ready to turn to God's word with me? We're going to see again what truly satisfies Jesus in his own words. Uh, it's a longer section. Uh, so as I, I talk this morning, um, feel free to follow along in the worship folder or the screen. We're going to pick it apart later, but we're going to read this whole section of God's word. Uh, one of the things we do sometimes, and, and he's honored every time, but we stand in honor of God's word. Could you stand today uh, just in honor of God's word, that he is actually speaking to us through these words? Uh, so here it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for that which spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. That's the work of a Christian. It's not actually work. Believing is receiving. We'll talk about it. But believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As is it written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they answered, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I'll raise them up at the last day. This is the powerful word of God. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, bread is on the menu. Bread is on the menu. Please be seated. But, and this is, these are really bad jokes. I had one last time too. But not all carbs are created equal. All right, yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. It's just great. Anyway, um, so one of the things I love about summertime is that uh, ice cream seems a, a little bit more appealing. And, and so ice cream, at least in our household, it definitely goes on the rise during the season. Any, anyone else? And, and one of the favorites um, is definitely this thing, a, a drumstick. Anyone else love a good drumstick? Now, I wanted to tell you a little bit how I approach the drumstick. The, the nuts are cute and the ice cream is fine, but the real reason I unwrap this baby is for what's at the bottom. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Because at the bottom, it is all coalesced. The chocolate has melted somewhere in a magical drumstick factory, and it has come together uh, so that you can have one very tasty morsel at the end where maybe you have just a little bit of ice cream, but mostly just a whole bunch of chocolate. Is anyone with me? And so what I'm saying is that I use the rest of the cone 
people need to get the chocolate. I'm not there for the ice cream. I'm not there for the nuts. I'm only for that little corner. Where am I going with this? Good question. I bring this up to delicately talk about something that can be highly personal, which is the idea that sometimes people use us. Sometimes we are the ice cream for them to get to the chocolate morsel, and I wanted to approach this delicately. And, and so what we experience sometimes in life is we go to salespeople, and we have a hunch that we are the ice cream and the nuts, but the chocolate morsel they're looking for is a commission and a sale and a paycheck. Have you ever been there? It can happen with people all of the time that we are not actually the end they are looking for, but just means to an alternative end. In fact, I remember this in high school. I remember being a, a chubby, uncool little kid, but my sister was really pretty. Now, what this meant for me is that the cool boys in her class spent time with me, thought I was pretty awesome, but it wasn't really because they thought I was pretty awesome, but it was because that they were pretty interested in dating my sister. I was the ice cream and nuts in the way of the chocolate morsel, right? And this is an experience that is so common in life that I don't even have to get into it. That's why I did it delicately because these things hurt. Whenever we're used, we get the sense that, that we're really not the end but just means to an end. This hurts. But it's exactly what the people were doing to Jesus. When Jesus came into this world, it is exactly what is going on in the lesson that he knows about. They know the people are coming to Jesus, and, and they don't want the ice cream or the nuts. They want the chocolate morsel on the other end. Jesus, who knew the hearts of the people, exposes their hearts, and he said this, Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, and I could elaborate. Not because I'm the Savior, not because you want forgiveness of sins. Not because you want the, the true, lasting, valuable things I have to offer. But why? I'm the means to your end. And namely, because you ate loaves and had your fill. You want to use me for a free lunch. And that is why you're here. Now, what, what's interesting in social commentary is that free things still have value for us today. Isn't that true? We are still drawn to the free. I was at a parade recently, and... You, you love seeing kids asking for candy. And, and you can see kids who don't even like Tootsie Rolls saying, yes, please throw them here because it's free. Or maybe they're into a game and you weren't going to go to the game, but they're handing out free T-shirts. And so now, I mean, you're pretty much making money. Let's go to the game, free T-shirt. It's why Amazon Prime Days are going to be effective. It, it's not because you need a new pair of headphones. But because when they're 80% off, you don't want to lose money in this deal. Let's buy the headphones, right? We're still attracted to the free, to the discounted, to the deals. But more than social commentary is a spiritual condition. And the spiritual condition that I'm talking about is this. It is something they were doing and something that we tempted to do. It's a temptation to use Jesus as means to our end. Or to find in him the end itself. And it's a temptation that was so common for the people who gathered around Jesus until the day he ascended into heaven. They wanted what they wanted. Right? And what's really interesting about Jesus is he's an effective means to earthly blessing. He is. For example, he would not only give a free lunch here, but later on he'd feed 4,000 again. He could do that. He was an effective healer. 
for a woman who had a, a bleeding for years, a touch, and she was healed. He was effective at, at healing leprosy and driving out demons. And, and flash forward today, I, I want to tell you today about helping us with our earthly ends. If you're struggling with an addiction and you can't break free, I'm here to tell you Jesus can help you with that. If you're wondering how you're going to make ends neat and you're looking for provision, I want to tell you that the God who feeds birds and clothes flowers, when you rely on him and trust in him, he can help you with that. I want to tell you if your goal is to have a family and to raise children, to get married, uh, to maybe be successful in career, I'm, I'm here to tell you, honestly, Jesus, he's an effective means to that end. But then I'd also tell you that if that's all you want him for, at one point or another, you will wake up disillusioned. You will run down that rainbow using Jesus as your aid, and you will wonder, where did the pot of gold go? I thought there was a pot. Because as we look at things, we might have big plans for our career. But how much can we control? Will people and generations really know us when our work is done? We, we can have big plans for a family and love and romance. But will that person, that child, that spouse know how to love us perfectly in all situations at all times? Will they be with us forever? We can pursue pleasure. But at the end of the week, when we're more broke and tired than when we began, is that really going to scratch the itch for fulfillment in this life? Dear friends, Jesus can help you chase down that rainbow, but remember, there is no pot of gold at the end of it. And that's again what Solomon found. See, Solomon, who was wealthy, he said this, whoever loves money is never enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income, and this too is meaningless. You know, if I got the Craigslist dinette set, it would just mean I have another upgrade to do. So I'm kind of glad I didn't get it because then I'd have to work on the faucets and the next thing. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the way it is with money. Or, or Solomon who pursued so many different things. Look, look at what he said. He said, I denied my, my eyes nothing I desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in my labor and this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was just chasing after money. And Jesus, he would speak into our lives when we're considering everything else, and he would say, do not work for food that spoils. In other words, if there's something right now that has an expiration date in your life, it could be people, it could be a career, it could be money. If it has an expiration date, it cannot fulfill your expectations. If it is not lasting, it cannot fulfill your longing. And so Jesus, he would remind us, this. Things that spoil can never truly satisfy. It cannot do it for as much as we want. There is no pot of gold. And so today, maybe Jesus is calling us to change our minds. To repent of pursuits that really haven't been beneficial. Things that we know will not last. And to find in him the end. And friends, can I tell you the beauty of Jesus? Can I tell you why I love him? Because to him, we are not means to his end. We are the end itself. 
to him, we're it. We're all. He just wants to know you. He wants you to be known. He wants to love you and to rescue you from guilt and shame and from a life of futility. We are the end. Paul put it this way. He said, you know what? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was his end. And so if you're a sinner, you're his end. And if you need saving, he has found you. And he has not only lived perfectly in your place, but he has died on the cross so that we could be released from guilt and shame. So that we have the right to be called children of God. So that we could be in an eternal family that never ends. And something that lasts can fulfill our longing. And he is the great I am who's with you. How awesome is Jesus? And so he gives us pictures about how he makes us his end. He tells us that his will is not to lose any of us because we're the end. In fact, this, this kind of reminds me of a story I heard on the news. It's of Paige Winter and her father, Charlie Winter. I saw on Good Morning America this couple. And the story goes this way that Charlie and Paige were swimming in an ocean in North Carolina in January, waist-deep water, when suddenly Paige was drawn under the water by a shark. A shark attacked her and dragged her under. And, and this man who was a firefighter and a, a paramedic and ultimately a father would not just stand by and watch this happen. The father went after the shark, which is incredible. And the father, the shark is fine, but the father started punching the shark. Punch the gills, punch the snout to release the daughter. The father was basically saying, there is no way I'm losing my daughter, not on my watch. Don't care what the shark is. I'm saving my daughter. And I bring this up because that's exactly what Jesus is doing for you. Do you know there's shark in the waters? That in our lives, we have a different enemy. There, there is a real spiritual adversary called the devil. And look what he wants to do. Satan, he leads the whole world astray. Satan right now is working in your life. He wants you to chase that rainbow. If he can get you away from Jesus Christ, that is his goal. If it's a really good thing, like a career or family or whatever, if that will work to get you away from Jesus, that's what he'll use. If it's a really bad thing, that life has gotten so tough and so hard that you don't want to be known by anyone, that's what he'll use. He'll use whatever he can to lead you astray. But i got to tell you what Jesus is doing. And he need to remind you of his power. See, Jesus said, this is the will of him who sent me the Father, that I will lose none of all he has given. And what it means is we might get dragged under sometimes, but we have a father coming at the shark, and it punches that shark in the nose. And it says, release my child. And sometimes he does that by letting us get to the end of ourselves. Sometimes he does that by letting us have a weekend where it all went well. We had so much pleasure, but still didn't have that scratch ish or that longing fulfilled. He does that by, again, calling our attention to the truly weighty matters, to give us sometimes that sense in our soul that there's got to be more than this. And he shows up and he says, hey, yeah, there is. It's me. I love Jesus, who doesn't let us be taken down by that shark. 
You know, because we're the end of his pursuit, he'll use any means. The good, the bad. He'll orchestrate the activities of our lives so that you would know he's the answer. And with him, there's satisfaction. But what I also love is his analogy. Because, again, he's using food. And I wanted to ask, when was the last time that you had a meal that truly uh, just hit the spot? I had one recently. Uh, I went to this dive called Buenos Nachos in Frankfurt. Anyone been? It is fantastic. Full recommendation. Now, it is a dive, but uh, yesterday, and, and there were members at Amazing Love there, so it must be a good place. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I went there, and I had a chili relleno, and with the, the grilled flour tortillas, and the poblano pepper with stuffed cheese, the pico de gallo, and the pickled jalapenos, and the lime juice that I squeezed all around it. It was delicious. And I would take us all there, but it's closed on Sundays. But, um, but, but you know what it's like, and maybe for you it was something different, right? Maybe for you it was fogo de chao or some fudge. I don't know what it is, but we all know what it's like to have something just hit that spot. And so Jesus is saying, I am that thing in life. He is saying again, look, look at me, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you won't be hungry. You believe in me, you won't be thirsty. And, and you may have picked up, he's not talking about the stomach. But rather, he is talking about the soul. He is talking about that deepest spot inside that only he can fill. You know, Blaise Pascal, he, he put it this way. Blaise Pascal is known... Um, well, first, here's the point. The bread of life is enough for every hungry heart. But Blaise Pascal referred to the heart and said this, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing. It's like putting something round into a square hole. It just, it won't work. Uh, whether it be pleasure or romance, nothing else can fit where God's supposed to fit. It can't be filled by any created thing, but only by God, our Creator, made known through his son, Jesus Christ. See, with Jesus, we have unfailing love. I don't know if you've realized this yet, but God built each one of us for unfailing love. He has. We have a longing to never be failed by anyone. Right? Have you sensed that? But that longing is not fulfilled with people. And that's not a bad comment on people. But, but the reality is, even the best people will fail us. They cannot give us the unfailing love that we were created for and that we need. Only Jesus can do that. And only Jesus has done that. And will never fail. And so how awesome is he that he can fill our hearts. You know, Paul was changed by this. Paul, who knew what it was to be filled with Christ, he said, now when it comes to everything that happens in life, if I just have God, I have enough. But he put it this way. He said, you know what? I know what it is to be in need or what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. If I'm well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or want, if the economy is good or if it's tanking, if my job is good or it's bad, if, if people like me or they hate me, it doesn't matter because if God is there, I can do it all through him who gives me strength. He is enough to satisfy. But before we go, 
And we will go. We won't be here forever. We need to ask, how does this come to us? And that is the kicker. How it comes to us is maybe the most glorious part. Because in life, usually when something is worthwhile, we have to work really, really hard for it. Does anyone remember their first summer job? Working minimum wage, working in the heat of the summer, you know, dog tired uh, for peanuts, right? Just to get through college or to pay for a first car that was a beater. I mean, it just, right? We know that if we want something worthwhile, we have to work really, really hard for it. But not here. Not in the church of God, not following Jesus. And it's not because there isn't work that had to be done. It's just that Jesus did all the work. <laughs> and so the, the disciples, they asked, how can we get this bread? What, what must we do to get the works God requires? And Jesus answers, the work of God is this. Simply believe. That's all. Simply believe. And believing is not working, it's receiving. Believing is opening your heart and your hands and saying, yes, Lord, I believe exactly what you said. You are my Lord, my Savior. You are the unfailing love my heart has been longing for. To, to declare it. Just receive. And so the dichotomy, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite t-shirts. Seen this one? I work out, just kidding, I take naps. And that usually doesn't work for physical health, but it does work for spiritual health. You don't have to work for it. You can just nap and rest in Jesus and know that he's done it all for you, and that is the path to the bread of life. Because what we know is this, this point, that the bread of life is not ours by working, but through faith. But how does this change things? And how could this change our lives? One of the things we could go out and say, okay, because everything else is a meaningless pursuit, I should just stop all of our pursuits. Maybe we should just go out and be monks in monasteries, you know, and, and just say no to the world and just say yes to Jesus, and maybe that would be the solution. Does it sound like a solution to you? It didn't work so well for the monks. And so maybe we don't stop pursuing other things. But we switch things around a little bit. Maybe finding meaning now in our pursuit so that we don't end up disillusioned is making Jesus the end of anything that we're doing. That when you wake up on Monday morning, you're not using Jesus to advance your career, using your career to advance Jesus. You're going using the best of your ability and the best of your skill because you have opportunity to shine brightly for Jesus today. Maybe it's looking at the family and saying, I'm not going to use Jesus to bless my family. I'm going to use my family to pursue Jesus as we gather around, proclaim him, praise him, worship together, pray together. We're brightly as a family for Jesus. Maybe it means we don't go every place. In pleasure, we see God's goodness. We remember who it came from. We remember a heavenly father is graciously giving gifts to his children, but that our Savior Jesus Christ is the ultimate gift it's pointing to. We make Jesus the end of our pursuits. And in so doing, maybe, just maybe, we'll avoid wasting our lives and wasting our time. May God so bless us. Amen.